this week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. We hear from professional stay-at-home mothers Allison Ochoa and Mary Schrader as they compare natural family planning and contraceptives. And now, here's Allison and Mary. Hi, and welcome to One Body. I am Mary Schrader. And I'm Allison Ochoa. And we are a couple of mothers here from Hayes. But today we're not really going to talk about children necessarily. We're going to talk more about what pertains to marriage life, a very delicate topic, but a very necessary one. We are going to discuss natural family planning. Yes, and as Mary said, it's slightly uncomfortable for some people to talk about it, but it is a hot-button issue among many Catholics for a variety of reasons. For some, it's a misunderstanding of what natural family planning is. For others, it's an ignorance of how NFP works. Some people think it's too complicated or maybe it's too difficult to learn. However, if we want to live fully in communion with the Catholic Church, we need to be 100% invested, and that means our bodies as well as our minds and souls. So today we're going to talk a little bit about conjugal love and what that love demands of us. We'll talk about natural family planning, how natural family planning is absolutely different than contraception, and how NFP fits into our roles as members members of the one body of Christ. So we'll begin by turning to my favorite book, well, one of my favorite books, The Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, toward the second section where it talks about the sacraments, specifically the sacrament of marriage. We turn to number 1643 to give us a definition of conjugal love. Conjugal love involves a totality in which all the elements of the person enter, appeal of the body and instinct, power of feeling and affectivity, aspiration of the spirit and of will. It aims at a deeply personal unity, a unity that beyond union in one flesh leads to forming one heart and soul. It demands indissolubility and faithfulness in definitive mutual giving, and it is open to fertility. So right there, we get our definition of married love, open to fertility, indissoluble faithfulness. That's what we're, the picture we're painting for you here with all these big words. We also move on then a little further in the catechism to 1652. By its very nature, the institution of marriage and married love is ordered to the procreation and education of the offspring, and it is in them that it finds its crowning glory. So we're looking at this and seeing that children are the the wonderful fruit of marriage, and, and they are what we should be striving for. They are our crowning glory here. Now, a lot of people think of children after the marriage ceremony. But what we want to bring your attention to, and this might be a good refresher for those of you who have been married for a while, for those of you who are maybe more recently married, it might be a nice little reminder of what you recently attested to or or declared as part of your marriage ceremony. Every church, every priest has a book on Catholic rites, and so if you want to go look at this for yourself, you can certainly go to your parish priest and ask to look at his book of rites, and specifically the rites for the marriage ceremony. I want to draw your attention to three things. In the marriage ceremony, before the vows, the couple is publicly asked a series of questions, or they might be called scrutinies, about their intentions for marriage. The first one of these, it names the bride and the groom, so Billy and Sarah, or whatever your names might be. Billy and Sarah, have you come here freely and without reservation to give yourselves to each other in marriage? Hopefully the answer is yes. I mean, if you're going to be coerced or have a gun to your head or a, you know somebody's twisting your arm to be there the marriage is probably doomed from the start. So we definitely want to make sure that a a positive yes is being given there. The second question, will you honor each other as man and wife for the rest of your lives? You know, hopefully you're in it for the long haul and you you can honestly answer yes to that question. 
The last question is the one we really want to focus on today, though. The last question is the one we really want to focus on today, though. It says, will you accept children lovingly from God and bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church? Now, the bringing them up according to the law of Christ and his church is a topic that we'll save for another show. But the first part is really what we want to hone in on. Will you accept children lovingly from God? Now, hopefully we will answer again, yes, to that particular question. And we'll talk a little bit more about why this element of the marriage ceremony is so important and why your yes to this this question is so important. But we definitely wanted to bring your attention to these elements as it does tie into the institution of marriage, obviously, but also ties into natural family planning as we consider that a little bit further into the marriage and a little bit down the line. But we'd like to step back to the catechism again to a little later where to paragraph 2366, it talks about fecundity. Fecundity is a gift and an end of marriage for conjugal love naturally tends to be fruitful. A child does not come from outside as something added on to the mutual love of the spouses, but springs from the very heart of the mutual giving as its fruit and fulfillment. So the church, which is on the side of life, teaches that it is necessary that each and every marriage act remain ordered per se to the procreation of human life. This particular doctrine expounded on numerous occasions by the magisterium is based on the inseparable connection established by God, which man on his own initiative may not break between the unitive significance and the procreative significance, which are both inherent to the marriage act. That, in a nutshell, is really what NFP is all about. It's saying that every act between, every renewal of the wedding vows or one flesh union, whatever term we want to use, every time that happens in marriage, it needs to be open to life. That's And that's what NFP allows. And contraceptive methods and such don't. So that's kind of the heart and the essence of what we're going for today. But moving on to the next paragraph, we'll come back to this is what I'm trying to say. So, But moving on to the next paragraph, 2367. Called to give life, spouses share in the creative power and fatherhood of God. Married couples should regard it as their proper mission to transmit human life and to educate their children. They should realize that they are thereby cooperating with the love of God, the creator, and are in a certain sense its interpreters. They will fulfill this duty with a sense of human and Christian responsibility. So to unpack this a little more, I want to turn to an article called Contraception Why Not by Janet Smith. She's one of our modern day social scientists. She currently holds the Father Michael McGivney Chair of Life Ethics at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, and she's published a lot of articles and books and things and spoken all over the country. But from her talk, Contraception Why Not, she basically talks about how God creates every soul. And I'd like to take you a minute and just read a little bit from her article so you can really get a picture of this. She says that conception is an astonishing thing. For it involves a creative act by God. A sperm does not have an immortal soul. An egg does not have an immortal soul. But human beings do. So where did we get the immortal soul? We didn't get it from the sperm and we didn't get it from the egg. Only God can create that human soul. And when God creates a new human soul, he does what he did at the beginning of the universe. He brings into existence something that did not exist before. He makes something out of nothing. And she continues, there's no storeroom of pre-existing souls. It is very important to realize that God created your soul and the soul of every other human being individually. So this just blows my mind to think of the first time I heard it. This soul of the new creation did not exist before, but will exist forever. 
what a great opportunity for us to participate with God when we are open to life and when we conceive, we supply the matter and God provides the soul. At that moment, it's and just... And we're really participating with him in eternity. Absolutely. Like, it just gives me goosebumps to think of, of how amazing that is. And I'd like to take a minute here and step back and point out that... This is something that maybe you hadn't thought of before. I mean, a lot of times people just go through the motions. We get married, we have children, we do whatever. But to really stop and ponder the beauty of the marital act, the beauty of children, to stop and say, wow. Because, I mean, I think too many people, we move on to methods that can avoid this. And I think so many people come in and they say, well, we have reason to not want our children. I mean, okay, these children are great, but we just don't have money for them. Or they're wonderful, but we just are so stressed right now. And we've got this and that to do. And we've got this place to be. and, And I'm sick or whatever. For whatever reason we have, we we say, no, not right now. But I'd like to take a minute and point out that we really need to sit down with our spouses and we really need to discern together to ask God and to pray and to see if the reasons that you might be avoiding children are really true, just reasons or if they're just because my neighbor isn't having any children and she's buying all these new things and I want to buy all these new things like her and and that's just the mentality that we kind of get. So I really want to encourage you to stop a moment and really think about if you're married and if you're saying, well, I'm done or I'm not going to have any more children, really stop and consider because this beauty this marriage is created for this, that we're able to create another immortal soul. And are you saying yes to God or are you saying no in this act and and why, you know, to ask him if you're headed where you want to be headed? Because I just, I really think that's so important that we are next to each other and leading with our spouse this vital aspect of our society because it is our children that continue. But moving with that, I'd like to move on to explain a little more about natural family planning and how it can assist us if there is a just need that we need to space our children or we need to wait in creating more souls because we just can't possibly take care of them at this time. So we'll go back to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because I think a lot of people think that, oh, the Catholic Church as an institution just decided to implement this natural family planning concept, you know, just recently. Well, that really hasn't been the case. If you look at paragraphs 2368 through 2370 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says, a particular aspect of this responsibility concerns the regulation of procreation. So as an aside, these folks, you know, the people who are the the brains and the the people who are really being inspired by God, um, not that all of us aren't, but the people who are leading our religion, leading our faith, they're the ones who have been given the insight as to how this is possible in the confines of what God has given us. So he said, for just reasons, spouses may wish to space the births of their children. It is their duty to make certain that their desire is not motivated by selfishness, but is in conformity with the generosity appropriate to responsible parenthood. Moreover, they should conform their behavior to the objective criteria of morality. It goes on to say, when it is a question of harmonizing married love with the responsible transmission of life, the morality of the behavior does not depend on sincere intention and evaluation of motives alone, but it must be determined by objective criteria, criteria drawn from the nature of the person and his acts, criteria that respect the total meaning of mutual self-giving and human procreation in the context of true love. This is possible only if the virtue of married chastity is practiced with sincerity of heart. 
Paragraph 2369 says, By safeguarding both these essential aspects, the unitive and the procreative, the conjugal act preserves in its fullness the sense of true marital love and its orientation towards man's exalted vocation to parenthood. Paragraph 2370 says periodic continence, that is, the methods of birth regulation based on self-observation and the use of infertile periods, is in conformity with the objective criteria of morality. These methods respect the bodies of the spouses, encourage tenderness between them, and favor the education of an authentic freedom. So natural family planning is the only method approved by the Catholic Church for regulating birth. Now, there are several different NFP methods and models. Some of the ones you may have heard of include symptothermal, uh, the Creighton model, which is uh, one of the primary models taught here in the Diocese of Salina. Uh, there's the Billings model, the Marquette method, and a few other ones out there. Now, we won't go into the details of any of these different methods or models, but rather we're looking at taking a big picture um, observation at NFP and its role in our lives as we live out our marriages in the Catholic Church. And we'd like to step back now to the article I mentioned earlier, Contraception, Why Not? Back to Janet Smith. I want to give her explanation. A lot of times people say, well, why is NFP so much different than contraception? And I really feel like that is a question we need to answer here. She says, there are many ways to explain the difference between artificial contraception and NFP. The most straightforward explanation goes like this. Point A, there is nothing wrong with wanting for good reason to limit one's family size. And B, there's nothing wrong with married couples either engaging in the marital act or not. Thus, since it's not wrong to want to limit your family size and there's nothing wrong with not having sex, it follows quite smoothly that there is nothing wrong with not having sex because you want to limit your family size. I think that line of reasoning, this is Janet Smith, Dr. Janet Smith still talking, is unassailable, but it does not usually serve to answer all the objections of those who, at least at first, have trouble understanding the difference between NFP and artificial contraception. They think that both couples using contraceptive and those using NFP do not want children, so what's the big difference about how they achieve this end? They wonder how a couple who is using NFP can truly be open to procreation to having children. The difficulty arises from too narrow an understanding of the word open. Open does not mean wanting a child now. It means having done nothing to close out the possibility of having children. There's an odd phrase used currently to describe sex without contraception. Such sex is called unprotected sex. This phrase may help us here. Those using NFP have unprotected sex, although the couple may be cer quite certain that they cannot conceive at this point. They have done nothing to close out the possibility of a child. A woman does not make herself periodically infertile, nature does this. In having sex during the infertile period, she has not done anything to close out the possibility of having children. Nature closes that possibility. And since she has no obligation to have sex, in not having sex during her fertile period, she does no wrong in abstaining. To use the phrase of the Pope, the couple using NFP is not telling a lie with their bodies. They are still allowing sex its full natural meaning. In short, the naturalness of NFP is obvious. It recognizes fertility as a good and does nothing to deny this good. It operates fully in accord with the laws of nature, which are the laws of God. So I think that kind of, in a nutshell, helps us unpack the difference between NFP and contraception and how they're not even on the same page. 
and the laws of God speaking to that particular point, you know, you look back at Genesis and Genesis one verse 27 and 28, it says, God created man in his image in the divine image. He created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them saying to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So right there, you're giving, you're being given the directive from God. He's giving us our marching orders, be fertile and multiply. He expects us to not put anything between us and his plan for filling the earth and subduing it. So to gain a better understanding of what NFP is or does, we need to examine contraception and contraception's drawbacks. And then we'll see that NFP in and of itself is the complete opposite, a complete 180 from everything that contraception is and teaches. Again, taking from Janet Smith, she's kind of our go-to gal in terms of, of NFP and fertility uh, for the purposes of this program. But in her presentation, Contraception, Why Not? She quotes John Paul II. She said, John Paul II maintained that contraception is an impediment to total self-giving. He maintained that it is a contradiction to say, I love you, and then to have contraceptive sex. He said that the act of sexual intercourse is meant to be an act of complete self-giving. It means I give myself to you in a way in which I give myself to no other. How many in our culture can say that? It also means I find you immensely attractive. I want to give you great pleasure and I want to receive pleasure. And it means I'm open to having children with you. Contraceptive sex means I want to have a great physical pleasure with you. It's a minimal statement. Well, Mary, I don't know about you or anybody else listening, but I know that I would rather have the fullness of the gift rather than just a bow. Or a few little pieces. Absolutely. Okay, this has been all a very weighty topic and serious. I want to stick with Dr. Janet Smith for a little bit, but I want to kind of lighten the mood. In her presentation that she gives, Contraception Why Not?, which is gigantic, by the way, and I would encourage you to go online and find it and read it or listen to it because she's got so much good stuff. We just couldn't possibly touch on all of it. But one at one point, she does a study with monkeys and contraception. So in this study that Janet Smith refers to, basically, they have a group of monkeys and they, the alpha monkey of this tribe named Austin chose three female monkeys to be his exclusive sexual partners. Austin had a grand time with these three female monkeys. Then the researchers injected Austin's three females with the contraceptive Deprovera. Austin stopped having sex with them and chose other female monkeys to be his sexual partners. Then they contracepted all the females in the tribe. The males stopped having sex with the females and started behaving in a turbulent and confused manner. Doesn't that just crack you up? And doesn't it sound a little bit like some people in our culture today where people are acting in a turbulent and confused manner? And I wonder if maybe... Not necessarily contraceptives being the sole reason, but, you know, you inject something into the culture that's outside of its natural capabilities or outside of its natural um, productions. And I would guess that you're probably going to have problems. And in this study, the anthropologist goes on to speculate that one of the reasons that women are dressing so immodestly is that they're not attracting men because of their fertility. They have to do sort of bizarre things in order to attract a male. They aren't attracting them simply by their fertility since they're not having fertility cycles. So he goes on to speculate that this could be a real a real a real concern. Like this could be a real one of the reasons that our society's unraveling and that we're having such issues with modesty and such issues with all those different, you know, 
influences could be caused by the fact that our women are out of whack, which causes our men to be out of whack, and then our whole society kind of crumbles. But so that was one um, aspect of Janet Smith for you there. But another, as she goes on talking about NFP, another topic she touches on, and I, is that it's an insult to women. And I just want to quote her directly because she puts this so well. She says, I think contraception is an insult to women. Instead of women saying fertility is a great gift, fertility is healthy. I'm not going to mess with my fertility. I'm not going to put massive doses of anything in my body to mess up my fertility. Women basically apologize for their fertility. They say, I'm sorry, when I have sex, I may get pregnant. Sure, I'll be glad to mess with my body to correct this humiliating, inconvenient feature of my sex. And that, that's quoting Janet Smith directly, and she's kind of blunt. But really, when you think about it, because it's almost like the burden is on the women for the method of regulating childbirth. It's all on us. And using contraceptives really insults women in the sense that, we have to put all this junk and all this craziness into our bodies in order to get this to work. Well, and speaking of putting junk into our bodies, you know, the chemicals that are involved in uh, methods of contraception that are available today are just, it's ridiculous the amount of just nasty stuff, nastiness that's involved in some of these these methods of birth control. And there are so many people out there today who are obsessed or at the very least they're really careful to the nth degree about eating organic or eating unprocessed or all natural foods or non-GMO non-GMO or using you know 100% natural things in their houses or wearing organic clothing or whatever the case might be yet I would venture to guess that a handful to a nice proportion I don't know I'll give you a range there but a handful to a nice a nice percentage probably don't think twice about ingesting or encouraging someone to ingest or use a pack of pretty pink pills or inserting chemicals into their body via a vaccination or via an implant or, or whatever the case might be. So you think about the chemicals that are involved in modern day contraceptives and you look at natural family planning and you see on the flip side that there is absolutely nothing that's out of the ordinary or going away from the natural flow and the natural abilities of our bodies that that's involved with NFP. Um, you know, so you've got the chemicals. You've got, like Mary said, you know, you have birth control often falling on a disproportionate number of women, that it's our responsibility. It's up to us to buy and to take those pills or to get the implants or, you know, whatever it is. There's no self-giving there. It's all very selfish. And so, again, looking at the flip side, natural family planning is a cooperative effort between the husband and wife. Yes, it's the wife's fertility that is being observed, but it's also one of that concept of give and take where, yes, the husband helps the wife maybe observe signs or whatever in the wife's uh, cycle, but it's a, a matter of opening the lines of communication saying, yes, this is a fertile time. So if we're wanting to avoid having a child at this particular point in our lives, you know, we need to abstain or, you know, now we can be open to, you know, having a child or we can be open to the procreative act um, or perhaps we just, you know, we're open to life in general. There's no reason to abstain. So we don't have to worry about looking at the signs, but it's very much a two way street instead of a one way road. 
Absolutely. And I want to just jump in for a minute and give a little personal testimony to this. This is specifics of using natural family planning and encouraging people. And I know we're going to discuss this more at the end with our personal, but I just feel like now is the time to mention a specific story that happened in my life. Obviously, we practice natural family planning, even though we have five children. Yes, we do know how to use natural family planning. And yes, you know, we are aware of how it works and we are very grateful for those five children and hope to have many more. But one night, particular night, we had been really busy. My husband and I were were separated, not separated, but we were kind of, there was a distance between us because we'd had things to do and it had been a busy day. And so one was here and one was there. And even at the end of the night, it was a physical distance. Like he had had a rough day at work. And so he was downstairs trying to do some work stuff and then was kind of trying to relax at his computer. And I was upstairs trying to clean up the kitchen and we had got the kids to bed. And it was one of those days and one of those nights where we just kind of both were felt crazy, you know, because of all the insanity. But instead of going toward each other, we had been going away from each other. But because of the point in my cycle where it was, it was a time for us at that point we were trying to avoid pregnancy. And so this was a good time for us to engage in the marital embrace and when you're looking at your cycle, you don't always have an excess amount of those days. And it for a good reason, for reasons like this, because I knew that we weren't going to have that my window for avoiding a pregnancy was going to close soon. So it, it caused me to go out of what my comfort zone. And instead of just closing my eyes and going to bed, I went over to my husband and reconnected with him. I went and talked with him and we discussed our days and we reconnected in that way. And then we were able to reconnect together and renew our wedding vows together. But we wouldn't have if we were using a different method, because I just said, well, we don't need to worry about it because we can just have sex whenever we want. But because of the way the calendar cycle fit and because this was a good time in my cycle for us, it caused us to be pushed back together. And I think that's the problem a lot of times now with because NFP draws you together as a couple where other couples that use contraception, you can kind of start to drift. You kind of go your own way and you don't really have any factor to like give you a kick back to each other, back to, to sharing yourselves and opening not just in a physical manner, but just about your day and about your life and who you are and your spirituality and everything together. So that unitive aspect, it really pushes you back into that. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more from Mary Schrader and Allison Ochoa on Natural Family Planning. We're back with Allison Ochoa and Mary Schrader, comparing natural family planning and contraceptives. And now, here's Allison. I think it going back to the birth control falling disproportionately on the shoulders of so many women, you know, I have, I've had friends who have said to me, and you know they've um, used you know different forms of birth control or whatever, but they have admitted to me that it is one of those things where they don't feel as close to their husband anymore, or they experiencing the physical side effects of birth control, whether it be straightening of hair that was previously extremely curly, or you know the the weight gain, or things like you know major headaches or major migraines, whereas they didn't ever experience those things before, and I think that all plays into the 
the part of, of the contraceptive mentality or the contraceptive culture where it, it distances you from not only your husband, but, you know, when you have those side effects, it makes you, you know, maybe want to draw away from other people in your life, you know, who would otherwise be, you know, be there to support you, be there to, uh, for you to lean on. And you're just maybe not as interested in pursuing those relationships as you would be otherwise if things were happening naturally. And, you know, you might be, you know, when, when things are happy in the household, I think that affects life elsewhere as well. Absolutely. And in fact, Dr. Janet Smith talks about this. She kind of says it in a comical way. But when you think about like the pill, the point of the pill is to make your body think that it's pregnant. So the common side effects of the chemical contraceptives are increased irritability, increased propensity to depression, weight gain, and a reduced sex drive. Most women who use chemical contraceptives complain of these side effects. And she goes on to say in this talk, I'm sure every woman in this room would like to be taking a pill that makes her more irritable, more prone to depression, helps her gain weight and have a reduced sex drive. And I'm sure every man in this room wants the woman he's dealing with to be more irritable, more prone to depression, to gain weight and to have a reduced sex drive. Don't you? <laughs> I mean, really, is that what we're going for here? But, you know, it's, it's really something to think about. But being pregnant makes you gain weight and it makes you a little more irritable and it reduces your sex drive because you're pregnant. Like that's how the natural way the body is. But when we create it falsely, it's like you're living in a perpetual pregnancy. I can't imagine that being something you would look forward to, especially when there's no baby at the end, you know? Yeah, the baby is definitely the prize at the end of the of the process. After you survive the pregnancy, absolutely. <laughs> so why would you go there when you have no reason? And part of it is that people a lot of times today, especially in our fast-paced culture, consider pregnancy an inconvenience or a child or multiple children an inconvenience. You know, and you think about our culture today. I mean, a hangnail is an inconvenience. The latest change to the postal service delivery schedule is an inconvenience. A child should never be considered an inconvenience or an accident. And I don't know how many people in the last, you know, 10 years or so that I've been, actually been aware of it have said, oh, I was an oops baby or, oh, well, she was an accident, you know, the birth control failed or, or whatever the case might have been. But you think about that and a child, can you imagine going through your life saying, you know, I was an accident? I wasn't meant to be. I, my parents didn't want me, and I just happened to, oops, show up. You know, that, that's got to be psychologically damaging, I would think. Um, but rather than think of a child or a pregnancy as an inconvenience or an accident, maybe we should turn the tables and really think about that pregnancy or that child as a gift because he or she was created by God. And when God creates somebody, he creates that person in his image as a unique and specific blessing for that family. So contraceptive mentality really provides a lot of criticism. It provides a lot of, um, I would say, degradation to some extent of the concept of family. And the natural family planning puts that gift at its forefront and on a pedestal so that you know you are open to life you know that that's the the full purpose of being married and that's what you ultimately want to achieve and you know granted there are some definite reasons for avoiding pregnancy at certain times and we'll talk about those later but i think that the child being seen as a gift is a mentality that we really need to create within our culture and that obviously starts at home well and i just can't help but think of the scripture verse that we were mentioning earlier from james it's from uh, first chapter of James, starting in verse two to verse four. 
Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance be perfect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So it's just, I want to encourage, like, there's such joy in these trials, and that's what, what NFP gives us. And it's a sense of, of self-mastery that we, we forget that we have, that we can be disciplined. We are in control. We are standing up straight. We don't have to bend and rely on different cultural trends. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of times our culture, if you think about it, it is a matter of our culture telling us that Susie, we're not good enough. Yeah, Susie, you have absolutely no control over your own body. So you might as well just take the pill, give in and just, you know, go with the flow. Whomever you want to sleep with, whenever you want to sleep with them, it's OK. That's the contraceptive mentality. On the flip side, you've got a monogamous relationship. You have that relationship where you're renewing your marital vows with your significant other, with your husband, your wife, whomever, you know, your spouse, whoever your spouse, whoever that is. But you are renewing your vows with him or her. And that is one of the most beautiful things you can do. And you think about it, the contraceptive culture is absolutely against the beauty of that particular act. Well, even some of the things, the barrier method. I want to have sex with you, but I need to get my barrier up. I mean, what is that saying? You know, or like spermicide, to kill the sperm. You know, I love you, but I want to kill part of you. I mean, it just, it totally goes against our mentality. In short, contraception is at odds with the Catholic faith. Recently, at the 2013 KVDM Divine Mercy Radio Banquet, the speaker, John Martignoni, he said, to tell someone they're wrong is about the last mortal sin accepted by society. We don't want to hurt people's feelings or make them feel bad. Okay? You think about that, it's absolutely true. And I'll tell you, folks, contraception, according to the teachings of the Catholic Church, is wrong. I'll put it out there and I'll say it again. Contraception, according to the teachings of the Catholic Church, is wrong. There's an article entitled Contraception Fatal to the Faith by Father John Hardin, and he wrote this for the Catholic Resource Network. It says, is it infallible Catholic doctrine that contraception is a mortal sin? Yes. How do we know? We know this from the 20 centuries of the Catholic Church's teaching. Already in the first century, those who professed the Catholic faith did not practice either contraception or abortion, which were commonly linked together. The people of the pagan Roman Empire into which they were born universally practiced abortion, contraception, infanticide, cohabitation of one man with either several legal wives or with a plurality of concubines. In contrast with this moral promiscuity, Christians practiced monogamy, one man with one woman. They did not use drugs to prevent conception. They did not kill the newborn children whom they did not want to live. They did not practice sodomy or prostitution. And for the Christian, adultery and fornication were grave sins that might require several years of penitential expiation. What do we call the church's unbroken tradition in forbidding contraception? We call it her ordinary universal magisterium or teaching authority. This has always been considered a proof of infallibility or from another perspective, irreversibility. What do these two terms mean? Infallibility means that God protects the church from error in her 2000 years of teaching that contraception is a grave sin against God. Irreversibility means that this teaching will never be reversed. Contraception will remain a grave sin until the end of time. To defend contraception forfeits the Catholic faith. It's a blunt statement, but I think it's one that we need to consider. If we're considering ourselves 
professed Catholics, if we're professing the faith and saying, I belong to the Catholic Church, we have to be 100% all in. You know, earlier we discussed the public declarations made by the man and woman at the Catholic marriage ceremony. To recap, you know, we ask, are you there freely? Are you in it for life? And the last question, and the one that really ties in with a natural family planning, is will you accept children lovingly from God? That's the first part of that last that last question and the one we want to focus on. But logic would dictate that if you said yes to the last question, will you accept children lovingly from God? If you said yes to that question, but you begin or continue to use birth control, whether that's via vaccination, implant, pills, condoms, whatever it is, you in fact were publicly lying before all the people that were in attendance at your wedding and before God himself. And I would venture to guess that none of us would want that burden on our shoulders to say, you know, I lied at my wedding ceremony. I lied before the priest. I lied before God himself. You know, I lied before my mother and father and, you know, all the people who were there witnessing those vows and acting as witnesses before God and, and you know, civilly, you know, who were, who were there to observe these wedding vows. I would not want that burden on my shoulders to say I lied. And if you miss that question when you got married, you can start now. So don't Absolutely. don't consider this. Uh, oh my goodness, I don't remember that because you can look back. I know a lot of times when we get married, we get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the craziness of the day, and there's so much to remember that when you go through the actual ceremony, your brain could be who knows where you were. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you're barely being able to see straight. But keep in mind that. We're, we're just letting you know now that this is what happened. And so it's such a great moment. And that's what you professed if you said yes. So let's go ahead and live it now. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the great things. That's what, you know, we talked a little bit, Mary and I, in prepping for this. And we came, you know, came across that John Martignoni comment about, you know, telling people they're wrong is the last mortal sin acceptable by society. And you think about that. And it, there's a line between saying something that is just black and white, here it is, I'm going to cut you off if you don't change the the error of your ways. But we say it with love, absolutely say that there's always the chance for redemption. God's mercy is infinite. And that's the wonderful thing about being able to go to the sacrament of confession and experiencing that, that loving mercy to clean up anything that might have happened in the past, and to really start fresh and start new and to live the joy that is meant to be there the joy that that can be hindered and from not being open and not receiving children if if that's happened in the past but to because i mean we see it as a burden but there's so much more that the blessings that just flow from that from following what the church has taught us and one of those blessings and it comes right from matthew chapter 18 verses 3 through 7 jesus in this teaching to the disciples said amen i say to you unless you turn and become like children you will not enter the kingdom of heaven whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me now there's a study note in my uh, copy of the bible that regards the statement about becoming like children and and you think about being a married couple and you think about well you know I don't want to be immature like a child or or whatever but what Jesus was saying and what the authors or the author of the book was saying is becoming like children that means that the child is held up as a model for the disciples not because of any supposed innocence of the children but because of their complete dependence on and trust 
in their parents. Well, in turn, you think about Jesus' example to his disciple, they were completely dependent upon and trusted in him. And that's us as married couples. You know, we need to put our complete dependence and complete trust in Jesus to provide for us if it's a matter of, you know, we have we have a couple of children, but we're going to be open to whatever life Jesus happens to bless us with through that marital act. So we're very much open to that. We trust that he will provide for us, that he will, um, you know, cover us in his graces to give us the opportunity to, you know, to handle whatever it is that he gives us with grace and with strength. Absolutely. This is such an amazing moment where we kind of open our cups to God and it's almost like an expanding of your cup. You want to fill it with his grace. It's almost like pulling out the bucket. It gives you a a greater um, capacity to receive from God. The more you push yourself out into the limits, the more you open up, um, especially in this capacity, because I mean, like having a children, it really just stretches you in every way so that God can fill you even more with more grace and more blessing. And you can learn to lean even more on him, which is our goal. (laughs) We don't believe that the church teaches this lesson in error. You know, obviously there are going to be some people who say, well, there are just parts of the faith. Maybe it's this uh, concept of natural family planning or of not using birth control. You know, maybe it's that. But, you know, there's just parts of the faith or teachings of the Catholic Church that I think are wrong or that I don't believe in. Again, and this was something that John Martignoni said at the Divine Mercy Banquet that I thought was so poignant and so fitting for this particular topic. He said, why would you be a member of a church who you believe is teaching error? I think that's a good question, especially for those of us who may who may question, you know, teachings. And there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with questioning. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking questions or wondering why or or how or whatever the case might be. There's absolutely nothing wrong in that in that. And we want as many people as possible to be carried to heaven with us. That's our goal is as professed Catholics and professed Christians. But I think it's worthy of our contemplation to want, you know, to say, is there a specific reason why I don't agree with this teaching? Is there a reason that I feel this is wrong? And if that's the case, you know, do the research, find out what Absolutely. the Catholic Church teaches, talk to a priest, um, you know, go online, the, the U.S. Look Conference. Look at the catechism. Yes, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has so many resources, including the catechism on their website. And there's a ton of other websites and, and books that you can go to, but really delve into that that thought and, and give it a good amount of time to just contemplate that and, and ask yourself, why is it that I believe what I believe about this particular teaching or don't believe about this particular teaching? And I think you'll find that the immense graces and the immense blessings that God provides us when we fall in line with, um, you know, the teachings of the church, they'll be beyond our wildest expectations. Absolutely. That's very well put, Allison. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about there being grave reasons or just reasons for avoiding pregnancy and using natural family planning to avoid a pregnancy. You know, Mary talked a little bit about that earlier. And I think just from my personal perspective, you know, you can have things as serious as a medical condition that would require you to avoid a pregnancy. There are things where, you know, perhaps someone just lost, you know, you or your husband or you and your wife, one of you just lost your job. You know, that obviously puts stress on a marriage and that would not be the best time to try to conceive a child. And so therefore, you know, there are legitimate reasons to um, use natural family planning to to try to avoid a pregnancy for a time. Yeah, we really want to point out, I know that sometimes the church is labeled uh, 
kind of erroneously, erroneously said that, you know, we have to have as many babies as we possibly can. That is not what we're saying. You know, natural spacing of children for the health of the women and for your sanity, that's totally understandable. And, and justifiable. Absolutely. Yeah. Just from my personal experience, I had a cancer diagnosis back in 2007. And Upon that, you know, I'd been married for a couple of years, and at that point, my husband and I were open to, you know, if God wants to give us a child, great, we'll lovingly accept it, and, you know, we'll have a happy little family and just do the best we can as parents, and I think that's kind of the goal for every first-time parent is, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do the best I can, and then hopefully everything turns out in the end. You know, we were open to life. We were open to, to having a child. Unfortunately, I was diagnosed with skin cancer, and I thought about it at the time, but I really hadn't given it much thought until we started preparing for this particular uh, One Body episode. But at that time, we said, okay, we absolutely cannot have a child at this particular point in time. I didn't know what, you know, after surgery, what kind of diagnosis I would, you know, further diagnosis I would have, what kind of treatment I would have to go through, or, or you know, there was there were a ton of different um, aspects to that particular situation. And so, you know, we did employ natural family planning for a time to try to avoid a pregnancy. And, you know, it worked out so well for us. We, you know, I had all of that happen in like October, November of 2007. By May of 2008, I was pregnant. And in January 2009, we had our baby boy, you know, so that would, that was a grave reason that was a justifiable reason for avoiding a pregnancy at that time. And, you know, there are, there are other extenuating circumstances too, that people need um, to consider when, when being open to life or saying, you know, God, this probably isn't the best time for us to be um, having a baby. So, you know, we would just rely on your providence to, to um, you know, allow a pregnancy to not be achieved at this point in time. Absolutely. And I wanted to encourage if you are, the concept of NFP is new, or if you need some uh, more assistance, you can always go and ask your parish. They, there's usually a contact person, or you can get online to find uh, more information about natural family planning and the different methods to find one that works for you. Likewise, a lot of I don't know. I think that we kind of worry about things a little too much nowadays, and I'm not necessarily worried about having more children. I'm excited about that concept, but it's kind of neat to see, to step back and look at the way um, women giving birth and our bodies recovering. Um, oftentimes they naturally recover, and women really can't have more children before they're ready. So, you know, we get so, oh, you have to be careful, we have to watch out, when really your body oftentimes after you have a baby, for a long time, especially if you breastfeed, there's no need to even be worried about this kind of stuff or caught up on it. It's almost like, oh, we got that one covered, you know? So I would encourage you to to not be afraid to just jump into this because it's such a great opportunity, obviously, to grow together. But then, you know, there's information out there. And it, I really, <laughs> one more perk for NFP, I really feel like it's almost less difficult than if you were going to try to use contraception or whatnot because there's just nothing to it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you think about it, if you are trying for a child and then all of a sudden you have to um, delay having a child for some reason, I mean, how easy is it to just employ NFP going by your natural cycle rather than, oh my gosh, you know, I've been using the pill for, you know, so long. Now I need to wait for a time to get all of the chemicals and everything out of my system in order to be completely clean inside to obviously you're going to have a little bit of time in there during which the, the chemical, if you're using a chemical form of birth control, that would take time to work itself out of your system in order to, to give you the optimum um, availability to have a child. Absolutely. So some final thoughts as we wrap up this this 
topic of natural family planning. And we realized that it's such a broad topic that we could spend, you know, several hours just devoted to this particular area. But some final thoughts that we put together, again, as Janet Smith said, there is no storeroom of pre-existing souls. And we as moms, you know, obviously see that God blessed us with our these beautiful little people in our lives and they each have a soul and our responsibility is to work with God to get these little souls into heaven and it's our cooperation with him in the eternal really and just how like the church is all about commun- communion with each other and the more of us there are the better it is and it's like God in his in his greatness and wonder the way he created us that we can have children in only nine months you know and then have another and how we can be so fruitful it's such a blessing and he just wants us to create with him as many souls as we're willing to to take care of here I mean just to think about how good God is and how much he wants more souls and more children and more people to all be into the great communion of heaven when we'll all be together. It just makes me very excited. <laughs> and you, I guess my final thought would be to ask yourself, you know, who, do, who would I rather put my trust in? Would I rather put my trust in a pharmaceutical company who cares absolutely nothing about me, but more about what's in my wallet? Or would I rather put my trust and faith in God who not only cares about me, but made me and my children and my husband in his image. So we would ask you to join us in prayer as we put the final touches on this um, One Body episode. So we'll just begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And dear God, we just ask that your blessing would pour out upon your church today and anyone who may have heard this. We ask it for our own families. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon us, would empower us. We ask that you would just fill us with your grace and that you would continue to teach us your ways, especially that we may better live on natural family planning and and show the world the culture of life that has embedded us. And we just ask this uh, through the intercession of Mary as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you, Allison and Mary, for this great show. And thank you, KVDM listeners, for tuning in to today's One Body Show. Divine Mercy Radio is a nonprofit station relying on the generosity of its listeners. So please, remember us as you pay the monthly bills. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, broadcasting from Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.